Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. This week, my guest is... Hi, I'm Megan from Seattle. Welcome to the show. Have you been on any podcasts before? I haven't. This is my first ever podcast, so I'm really, really excited. Oh, that's good to hear. What about consuming podcasts? Do you hear or watch any podcasts out there? I do. Um, I tend to follow like the Command Zone, mm-hmm. uh, Telerian Community College. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are the two main ones that I subscribe on on YouTube. They're pretty fun. Don't really do a ton more, but I'm hoping to get to add more mm-hmm. uh, podcasts to my weekly watching listening list. Very nice. Those are a bunch of good ones there. Well, before we get started on the show, uh, is there any Twitch or YouTube or Twitter or anything you'd like to promote? Yeah. Um, so I have a website, uh, bluemanamagic.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is just a little pet project of mine where I just write my thoughts, create deck lists, um, post other content from friends, and just a general magic site. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can also find uh, me on Twitter at the handle Blue Mana Magic. And uh, I do have a Twitch that you can find. I'm actually in the middle of changing over some branding. So mm-hmm. just uh, check my site. Um, I'll be posting, you know, Twitch and YouTube links very soon. Very good. I'll definitely put all of those items in uh, the show notes so people can easily go on and visit you. Thank you. As for myself, I'm on Twitter and on YouTube and Twitch and Patreon and all of that is VM Campos. Basically, just look me up in all of those. The podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. So people can find me that way. Now, this podcast focuses on um, Magic the Gathering, of course, the best game in the world, as we all know. Um, so how long have you been playing any form of Magic? Um, so I started back in spring of 2009. Uh, it was right, right before uh, Magic 2010 released. Uh, and I've been, I had played off and on from then until um, 2013 mm-hmm. when I taught my wife how to play. And we've been playing Magic together for six years straight. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. So I know a lot of people that have been uh, on the podcast, they start at a certain time and then they stop for a little while and then return. So it's a little less common that people kind of play continually for very long. Uh, Have you found it to be like a hobby that's easy to keep up to date with it on the long term? The the first time I I played back in 09, that was harder. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I only ended up playing for about a year Mm -hmm. uh, or less. It was it was not very long. Hmm. Uh, After that, I've you know, it helps to have a spouse that's also into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a shared hobby. Uh, so we're constantly, you know, talking about mm-hmm. uh, games we've played, decks we're enjoying. Uh, my wife loves to play on Arena. And so it's it's a very big part of our household. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of helps keep it a regular topic within the house, a very regular activity. And so Mm -hmm. it makes it really easy to stay involved. Well, that's definitely great. Like with any sort of hobby, the more people that you know that are involved, especially people that you're close to, uh, the better that you can, that you can Mm -hmm. keep at it. Oh, yes. Uh, And as we, as our kids have gotten older, um, they have started to want to play with us. And so that has been Mm -hmm. really fun uh, Mm -hmm. to start teaching another generation of magic players. Uh, and so it's it's just a lot of fun. Uh, our regular playgroup uh, was introduced to magic by us, and mm-hmm. so we regularly play magic mm-hmm. with them. In fact, right before this recording, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we were playing a game, and I just got barely knocked out. So... <laughs> 
perfect timing. <laughs> well, that's great that you've introduced more people to it. And like you said, the next generation, it's, uh, you know, a, a, a game that's been around 25 years, and I hope that it continues 25 years and more. Agreed. As for myself, I started actually back in the 90s, uh, from around 1995 to 1999 is when I first played. Uh, and I gave it up for a long time between 99 and 2017 or so. So there was a huge gap there. And I'd, uh, I still knew that magic was around. I just never played it. I, uh, in the, in the interim, I kept my old cards and I kind of got the bug to look at them again, uh, in 2017, early 2017. And then I started to get back into playing, uh, after Hour of Devastation. So I've been, uh, pretty much... Uh, back in it since that time, 2017, with Hour of Devastation. That's cool. Um, that was a pretty good set. I still think my favorite has to be Cons of Tarkir. Mm -hmm. That was an amazing set for me. Really? What did you like about it? I, I'm a big fan of very flavorful worlds, and mm -hmm. I loved the the different... Um, I clans? Yeah, the clans and how they their color identities and how they like morphed through the block. Mm -hmm. And I just, I ate that up. Mm -hmm. I loved, I, at first I was like, Oh, we're doing tra time travel here, but it <laughs> actually worked really cool. Mm -hmm. And so that was just, it was a fun, limited format. Constructed was also really good. Uh, it was just, it was a good time for magic. In my opinion, I was probably the most active on the uh, events scene mm -hmm. during that that standard mm -hmm. i kind of know a little bit on and off throughout the years so i never played during that block but uh that's when they introduced uh several like uh, uh tri-colored concepts right is that where like yeah. ant and mardu and such came from um so that would have been uh in the alara block which oh, okay. was right right during when i started that was the uh the shards Mm -hmm. uh, which were adjacent colors, you know, white is adjacent to green and blue, yes. and that's a shard. Okay. Whereas cons was wedges, which was uh, a color, and it's two, quote, enemy colors. So white and then mm -hmm. white and blue, and then their shared enemy, red. Oh, so okay. so it, was, it, was a, it was a different take on the three color kind of concept, and I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, it was very much a kind of a successor to Shards of Alara in mm -hmm. that exploration of three color uh, mechanics and, and flavor. Mm -hmm. For myself, my nostalgia set is way back in the 90s, Ice Age. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's where I grew up in high school playing that. That's when they were barely starting to put together like the block structure, but not really. I've, I've been listening to Mark Rosewater's podcast, and he goes on to kind of explain a lot of the history and, and such about magic. And at that time, they weren't really planning any sort of blocks, any, any big story and such, but they kind of retroactively fit things together. And that's when I was first playing. So I, I consider, you know, Ice Age and then its sequel, uh, Alliances. Those are my nostalgia sets. And that, I, I believe, had like a lot of great uh, flavor and vorthos to it with Limdul, mm -hmm. the necromancer, and you know what else, the Kildoran civilization and all that fun stuff. So uh, that's just the great thing about magic that uh, people can latch on to uh, the game or the story throughout all of these years, throughout all of these sets. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something that I very much, that keeps me very much engaged is the world building that occurs within magic the gathering mm -hmm. you know whether it's how they spoiled uh war of the spark and yeah. this like series of acts and and telling the story through the spoilers was mm -hmm. just brilliant i i thoroughly enjoyed that same here. I uh, I liked how they were revealing things, and you could see it was a story spotlight one, two, and three, or, or however they, they, they uh -huh. phrased it, but that was very enjoyable to see it because um, I think if they were just kind of re released, I don't know, haphazardly, not haphazardly, but like power level-wise or concept-wise, it might not have worked. I think it worked so well that they released it in terms of here's a, here's the story, and you're, you're going to get more of the details as you get more of the cards and read more of the flavor text, and maybe the the, uh, the stories on 
uh, on the mothership and the novels and such. So that was enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally with you on that. Now, as Magic has evolved, we're, we're playing the latest and greatest version, Magic Arena. How long have you played? Uh, how long have you played on Magic Arena? Uh, so I was part of the group that got in uh, in the closed beta in December. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing Arena almost pretty much since anyone outside of Wizards could play it. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to watch it evolve. Mm-hmm. And that was quite the journey uh, to see, you know, the interface change, mm-hmm. the e- economy change, the card pool changed. It, it was just a really fun beta to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I know we're still kind of in the beta. Yeah. <laughs> Forever beta, it feels like. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I've been playing since December of 2017. Oh, very nice. I remember hearing some of the first uh, or seeing some of the first previews of it in November, December time, 2017. Um, I requested the the invite when they put out the call in January 2018. And then I got mm-hmm. my email in April 2018. So I've been playing it. Uh, for me, that's that's a little over a year now. Uh, but you were in there uh, a little bit earlier. So so exactly like you said, you you've seen it evolve and um, I look at old screenshots, like my old screenshots, and I see how far it's gone. And I'm sure you also mm-hmm. remember how it used to be and just the big visual changes and the gameplay changes. And I bet a lot less glitches. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the very first iteration that I played, uh, they didn't have the economy set up yet. Mm-hmm. So you literally just built whatever you wanted hmm. using uh, Kaladesh uh no, not Kaladesh. It was uh, Ixalan. Ixalan. It was all Ixalan. It was like Ixalan constructed. Mm-hmm. And so dinosaurs for days. <laughs> I saw so many carnage ty- tyrants during those <laughs> few months. I, 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 I was so ready for anything mm-hmm. other than Ixalan. Yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty funny because, you know, that's what's that a set about like 275 cards. So, yeah, how many kinds of decks can you make out of those cards? I saw primarily, I mean, you, you had like three different ways to build dinosaurs. I saw two different builds for pirates mm-hmm. and everyone, about half the decks were merfolk mm-hmm. and... <laughs> Then there was uh, some people who like vampires, and then there was the Explore, the green-black Explore mm-hmm. deck, mm-hmm. and that was also fairly popular. So it was it was definitely a, quote, solved format, but, you know, it was, it was fun. People got to, you know, at least try this new client that, you know, compared to Magic Online was just shiny and yes. pretty and... Mm-hmm. It just it just flowed, you know, until it you know crashed, <laughs> <laughs> came to a screeching halt. Until there were too many polyraptors on the screen. Oh yeah, that that did happen once. <laughs> that did happen. That's one of the early things that I tried to to do when I got into the beta in April 2018. Uh, I uh, my very first clip that I recorded was halfway through it going off because I'm like, hey, I should record this. And then uh, it's there, all of those uh, Polyraptor tokens cloning themselves (laughs) after the forerunner of the Empire trick. So that was fun. Yeah. Now, if you've been playing Magic for uh, this amount of time, what would you consider your your skill level to be in in any form of Magic? Beginner, intermediate, advanced, somewhere in between? I would say I'm at least an intermediate player in some respects. I feel like I'm a little higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to go sign up for, a, uh, what do they call them now? A magic fest. Sure. Uh, you know, I did a couple uh, pro tour qualifiers back in Theros. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm mostly just happy to stay in the casual space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would say I'm kind of in between that intermediate, intermediate uh, advanced space 
Well, very nice. That's a good place to be. Uh, if you'd like to reveal, how high have you gotten on the ranked ladder on Arena? <laughs> so I think I got to one of the gold tiers. I actually, I'm I'm less uh, competitive these days. <laughs> um, so I, I mostly actually play Arena either um, just free play, mm -hmm. just because I, I, I like to experiment with different deck ideas and i really just don't i'm not as keen on trying to get up to mythic mm -hmm. i have a few friends and loved ones that do the the ranked play mm -hmm. a lot um i have uh, one one person in our regular play group actually did make it to mythic mm -hmm. uh i think it was first or second season mm -hmm. so they that was kind of a whoa! Someone in our playgroup got mythic, yes. but I myself, I I think I I got to gold just by nature of playing, not mm -hmm. really trying. So sure. I'm sure if I, you know, tried to grind, mm -hmm. might get up higher. It is definitely a full-time job for those that are trying to get very high. Uh, I know I've got a day job or two, so I can't quite um, be on the ladder as much to to grind. Uh, I think Likewise. I'm at. <laughs> I think I'm at gold at the moment, maybe gold three or something. But the highest I've ever gotten was platinum two, and sometimes it nice. just feels like. Thank you. Sometimes it feels like, well, I'm so close to the next level, I should just play a little bit more. But then you get into a losing streak, and it's like uh, back mm -hmm. at back at the beginning. So I'll go play with some fun, weird stuff on free play instead. Yeah, I think I got to like gold one, and then yeah, I hit that losing streak, and I'm just like, okay. That's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. That's a thing. <laughs> it's the algorithm telling us something. You need to go outside. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Being in Seattle, outside normally looks very similar to inside. <laughs> so you have a uh, you have rain and dampness inside as well. <laughs> well, I mean, when you have three children, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never know what the house is going to be like. Yes. Anywho, that's my uh, Southern California, sunny San Diego, um, you know, uh, idea of Seattle that it's always uh, damp and gloomy, but I'm sure the sun comes out once in a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it alternates. We'll have a day where it's completely dry and sunny. And the next it is gray for <laughs> miles. <laughs> you never see the sun. And you're probably going to get rained on at some point in the day. So but I love it. I I quite love the, the climate. But we're not here to talk about climate. No, this is not uh, let's uh, enter the climate zone. This is let's enter the arena. <laughs> so um, is there any single card at the moment that you're enjoying playing for fun or competitively or just for the weirdness of it? Um, so... In standard right now, I think my favorite, absolute favorite card is Adelie's, oh, okay. uh, the Cinderwind. Mm -hmm. Just an amazing, amazing card. I love playing decks with her. Mm -hmm. um, but my favorite card just overall um, would have to be uh, Silumgar's Command from Dragons of Tarkir. Mm -hmm. uh, I love spells that give you a choice. Mm -hmm. um, and so being able to choose from four different modes and choose two of those, mm -hmm. and then the four choices on Silumgar's command being amazing. Now for, uh, f for the listeners that might not be versed in both those cards, can you break them down a little bit? Yeah. Um, so Adelie's the Cinderwind is, a, is from Dominaria mm -hmm. and is a 2-2 flying haste for one blue, and red. So mm. a converted mana cost of three. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, wizards you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So she is a great enabler for is it wizards and you know throwing a bunch of wizards lightning at mm. your opponent and then all of your other wizards, whether they be Adelie's herself or um, get to uh, 
uh, I can't remember. The, what's his anyway. name? Lava Jumper or something, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, all the all the blue and red wizards that are currently yeah. in standard mm-hmm. all benefit from that. So it's a great way to combine the blue-red counter-burn strategy of, you know, countering spells, throwing lightning bolts, but then you get this nice aggro package mm-hmm. as well. So very good card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one I mentioned, Silumgar's Command, is a instant for three blue, black, a converted mana cost of five. And you can choose two of the following modes. Counter target non-creature spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand, target creature gets minus three, minus three, or destroy target planeswalker. Mm-hmm. And so Silumgar's command is really versatile. In in a blue-black anything deck, most likely control, at five mana, this is definitely a card that you want to be dropping down. Um, you And you can deal with everything from a really big creature that's, you know, attacking you. Someone's bringing in a planeswalker. You can counter it. Mm-hmm. And again... This is, you choose two modes. Mm-hmm. So you really can mess with your opponent in a variety of ways. And that's why it has to be one of my absolute favorite cards. I've got it up at the moment also. The art is really nice as well. I kind of wish I knew the story behind it, but it looks really epic, full of, uh, I guess, like uh, zombie creatures and dragons and stuff. Really nice. Yeah. Yeah, Silumgar is the dragon lord of the Silumgar clan, and they are all about uh, death and control. Mm. And so a lot of his minions are the undead and, you know, the Naga and humans that are not zombified are you know, his captains and commanders. So it's mm. a it's a very vicious group of people within Tarkir. Mm-hmm. I think those are some very good cards to pick. Wouldn't it be great if you can have Selimgar's uh, command in Arena? Right. Yeah, I, I definitely hope, and I know it's a, it's a hope at this point, that Arena would have modern. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they wanted to go with, say, Frontier, you know, everything from Magic 2015 onward, Mm -hmm. I'd be down with that, too, because that would include the cons of Tarkir block. Yeah. So we'd get Solomgar's command. Yeah, I just uh, exactly hope that they do kind of give more of that card pool to us uh, once they expand it, uh, hopefully when it gets out of beta. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That and a uh, uh, Mac OS client would be pretty good too. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm on Windows, but I really want Mac people to play and just more people to experience the game and not exactly. just be pining away at it. Just have everyone play. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cards that I'm enjoying at the moment um, is um, kind of interesting. I would uh, count Karn's Bastion, which is a land. This is the land that you can then pay for and tap to proliferate. So I think it works <laughs> really well and, and just synergizes with so many other things. I've got a mono white deck that's got Charmed Stray, Ajani's Pride Mate, uh, Gideon, mm-hmm. Blackblade, and just, you know, proliferate and counter sort of stuff. And it's just really cool to have that land. And I'm not running into a lot of people playing land destruction at the moment. So that's like a really cool proliferate engine uh, as opposed to it being attached to a creature or a spell. So I found that pretty mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, no, uh, seeing proliferate come back into, well, any set, but especially standard mm-hmm. in a set that has several uh, mechanics that care about plus one, plus one counters, mm-hmm. and then tack on top of that the planeswalker focus and proliferate is just nuts mm-hmm. so i i can totally agree with you karn's bastion is excellent do you crack many packs in uh, real life or do you build uh, specific decks you know getting the singles 
Um, so I usually will buy a box and use that to host drafts mm-hmm. uh, at home with our play group. Uh, otherwise, I typically will just buy singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also make it a point to try to pick up the Planeswalker decks just yeah. so I have that pre-constructed deck, which is kind of a, a thing I do, is, is pre-constructed stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, very similar. I recently have been buying the uh, the bundle over at Card Kingdom, uh, not a sponsor, mm-hmm. but maybe one day. And um, I make some fun decks out of that, but I also try to... So when I was younger, I, I was just getting random booster packs at Toys R Us. Uh, rest in peace, Toys R Us. And um, <laughs> I never had a complete set of the cards. So now that I'm a grown-up, supposedly, I can you know buy my own cards and all of that. So I buy a, a box and try to complete a set. So I try to complete a set and make some fun decks. So I have a bunch of cards left over. Um, and this Karn's Bastion is one that I have not cracked yet. I have managed to crack a, um, uh, I think I got the Niv-Mizzet, the new R- Niv-Mizzet Reborn. I got the, um, uh, Nickel Bolas, Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, so I was at a pre-release, I was at the pre-release and someone else opened a Nib- Niv-Mizzet and he seemed to be a very young player that was starting to play very, very recently. So he was very excited to get like the big character of the set and a very powerful card. Uh, so that's always fun to see younger players getting into it mm-hmm. via the via the paper route first. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's, those are about the only events I go to these days are the pre-releases mm-hmm. and I, I can totally... Uh, relate seeing you know parents bringing their kids to these pre-releases and watching you know these anywhere from i've seen as young as six uh years and up Mm -hmm. you know this it's a family activity and you know they're learning together and enjoying this game together and Mm -hmm. so it's it's a really heartwarming experience these days Definitely. I, I really enjoy the variety of people getting into magic and everyone having a chance to play in person or or digitally and making it their own. So speaking mm-hmm. of that, uh, what about decks? Uh, is there any deck at the moment that you're enjoying on Arena? Yeah. Um, so as I might have alluded to earlier, I'm a big fan of Is It Wizards. I kind of just latched onto that deck and it's one I play frequently even with all the new sets uh i still still love that deck Mm -hmm. i don't know what to say Mm -hmm. um my other favorite is demir midrange Mm -hmm. um because what can i say i love tempo i love control Mm -hmm. i i i i just love being able to bounce creatures back to people's hands and counter spells mm-hmm. i'm 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 one of those people i'm a shameless blue player uh, you're in good company i also like a good demir deck um i like also piloting that kind of deck in real life in my play group we play a lot of multiplayer and mm-hmm. um i try not to be too uh overly demir about it but it's just so hard you know uh turn one uh, vicious rumor turn two burglar rat uh turn mm-hmm. three um disinformation campaign you know all that fun stuff and uh yeah fun for me but maybe not for everyone else so i don't bring that deck out as much as i, I could yeah um the uh the recent uh guild decks that came out mm-hmm. uh for the the two different uh guild based sets uh, the Demir one has an old favorite of mine, uh, Consuming Aberration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, real quick, uh, I'll, uh, it's a uh, creature that costs five, three blue and black, uh, and its power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in your opponent's graveyards. Mm-hmm. So you throw that in a multiplayer game, and that thing gets huge quick. <laughs> Especially if you help their graveyards fill up. Well, and this is that's that's where the second half of the card comes in. Whenever you cast a spell, whenever you cast a spell, mm-hmm. 
Each opponent reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a land card <laughs> and puts those cards into their graveyard. Mm -hmm. That's going to be one big aberration. I I think one game where I got this out, I think I had it at, I think it was like a 68-68. <laughs> Needless to say, it was not long for this world, mm -hmm. but it was fun nonetheless. That's definitely the name of the game, uh, fun. And you're the second guest, actually, that has uh, waxed nostalgic about consuming aberration. I had uh, Jose <laughs> previously on the show, and he also uh, took some time to to bring uh, to to bring that card back. It it was one of so when I I kind of came out of my hiatus to uh, teach my wife magic. Uh, Gate Crash was the newest set to release mm -hmm. and to kind of get myself back in i bought the demir intro deck which included as the front uh consuming aberration in a <laughs> foil art and it was just yeah it was love at first sight <laughs> i like playing on arena at the moment a um black and red pirate deck uh, oh, it's yeah. not like a big powerhouse or anything like that, but when I want to just play for fun, I go for some of those things. And so, um, one of the first planeswalkers that I got when it, when it was, uh, earlier in the beta of arena was a, an Angrath. So he's, um, he's got a special place in my heart because, you know, he uh, makes them discard a card or steals one of their creatures. You know, he goes mutinies. And I think he's got a third item. I can't quite remember at the moment. But um, I like a, a black and red pirate deck with Captain Lannery Storm. She's one of my favorite cards. You know, this uh, uh, mm -hmm. three casting cost, 2-2 two, two with haste, and she makes a treasure whenever she attacks. So um, I've done some great combos with some fast mana with her in that deck and it's been fun yeah you know uh black red pirates is definitely uh, a fun build i i think i did try that uh, when ixalan was kind of the more popular block within arena mm -hmm. but i think i think um blue black pirates is still my favorite from ixalan I have a, a friend in the real life play group that he's he's also doing pirates. He's doing blue red pirates, um, and one of his favorite cards is the departed deckhand, uh, which is mm. actually not from Ixalan. It's from uh, M nineteen, is isn't it? And uh, it's an unblockable two two spirit, and you pay some amount of mana to make another thing into an unblockable spirit, and they can only be blocked by spirits. That's one of his favorite cards that he loves to basically windmill slam onto the table mm -hmm. the unblockable blue creature of every block is always a fun one to include <laughs> yeah that's cool how they kind of like bring concepts throughout the different sets even if you're on a different plane and such there's a familiarity that i that they build in that i enjoy from set to set mm-hmm have there been any cool, funny, weird moments that you've had on Arena that come to mind? Um, I think, I, I mean, we touched on it before the Polyraptor incident. I mm. think anyone who had been in the early beta had had that happen to them. <laughs> but one that happened in the more recent, uh, recent um, where it became an open beta, was when they started doing the unique constructed events. Mm. And one in particular was when they had Cascade Constructed. Mm -hmm. um, for those unfamiliar with Cascade, uh, essentially the mechanic is whenever you cast a spell with Cascade, you reveal cards from the top of your library until you hit a non-land card that costs less than the converted mana cost of the spell you cast mm -hmm. previously. Um, so in my case... I was playing Is It Wizards, and I fired off Cosmotronic Wave, which is a four-cost sorcery that deals one damage to your opponent's creatures, and they cannot block that turn. Mm -hmm. So I already had a really good setup. I had a couple different wizards um, 
I had Adelie's out, who was, you know, giving them all plus one, plus one off of the Cosmotronic wave. Mm -hmm. But then the cascade happened and it, uh, it pulled a, uh, wizard's lightning (laughs) out of, that was what it revealed. And it was thanks to that, that I was able to deal just enough damage and it triggered Adelie's again. Mm -hmm. I was able to win that game right off there. And it was, I was going to lose next turn. So it was kind of one of those, you know, I was, I was in full top deck mode. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I've got to get Cosmetronic Wave for this to work. Mm -hmm. And I I drew it. So that was, that was a really, really, (laughs) one of those moments where you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I feel really good right now. (laughs) The magic gods are smiling on you. Yep, Exactly. I've had some some uh, some fun times as well in the in that cascade constructed. I I'm playing this mono white. Like I said earlier, it's uh it's got um uh charm stray and a Johnny's pride maid and Gideon black blade and such. There's also at the top end uh Oketra the uh, God Eternal, um mm-hmm. and this it, is just like really dumb to say, but like one of my favorite things about that is to play turn one charm stray which is a single white mana so your whole library exiles itself because there's nothing at zero casting cost that the cascade will cascade into so it's just such a funny animation to me Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's just like do <laughs> you know you're seeing cards just flying past you're just like wow which which reminds me, I, I think there's a bug in that because when my opponent does it, they sometimes do the one drop on turn one or whatever, and it uh, cycles their whole their whole library. I I can see for a split second their whole library, but then when I click to look at their library, nothing is revealed. So is that a bug or like what what happens with that? Yeah, that that definitely sounds like a bug. Um, probably something to do with how they've coded the deck visibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, my day job is is related to computers and computer programming. So mm-hmm. so I, I, I sometimes get a little technical when I'm talking about arena bugs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. At least from a armchair perspective. <laughs> Yeah, you'd, you, you'd never know how it's behind the scenes. Like, uh, everyone can easily, you know, armchair quarterback, like, oh, why didn't you do this? Why don't you do that? Well, yeah, help us write, you know, a thousand lines of code to make it work, and we'll make it work. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you've been uh, playing for a little while, and uh, you can look back in uh, when you first started playing Magic, what, what would have, uh, you have liked to have known early on when you first picked up the game? Um, I think uh, the biggest thing is knowing the steps of the, of, of the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, cause when I was taught how to play, I, I didn't really have the detailed, you know, step by step by step. And mm-hmm. so it was, uh, it was quite an adjustment to start learning about, you know, the upkeep step, the mm-hmm. end of combat step, all these unique little steps um that really expand uh your view of your turn and your opponent's turn Mm -hmm. but also what options you have and so if i were to go back and and talk to my my newly sparked self (laughs) i would say learn those phases and steps because knowing them makes all the difference when you start dealing with anything outside of a creature, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think definitely Arena is a great learning tool for that because it steps you through things and mm-hmm. doesn't let you forget. And like, oh, something's highlighted. I guess I have mana to use it. Now, it can be good and bad because I think perhaps um, I've I've seen players that feel like they're a little bit in more in the beginner level that they they just do something because arena says you could do this here but not necessarily important to do it at that moment but i i think arena does a great job of stepping through people uh stepping people through these various steps and phases and that's definitely one of the things that uh mm-hmm. is uh, difficult to know early on it, it takes uh, quite a while to to get good at it yeah 
Well, and and they also provide the the stop mechanism, mm-hmm. um, which allows you to really see step by step where you could respond. Because mm-hmm. I know they they do that with instance and abilities, like they kind of give you that, but not always. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to, you know, specify. You know, I want to stop on these steps and. Yes. Um, and, and Arena specifically, I would say anyone playing it, once you've picked up the basics, go into full control mode. Just just don't... It, yeah, it, your games will take just a little bit longer, but mm-hmm. you will learn the true flow of the game by having to go through each step manually. Mm-hmm. You'll learn about priority. You'll learn about sequencing, all of it. I think that's a great way to kind of get advanced because, yeah, instead of it just going on autopilot a bit, getting on full control will definitely give you that nuance of the game to level up, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, so magic has pros and cons, um, and not cons of Tarkir, I mean the other kind of con. Um, <laughs> what is one thing that you might think about improving about magic, the the game itself, the community, the... Uh, the the product, you know, anything. Um, goodness, that's a that's a broad <laughs> broad spectrum. Um, I mean, as someone who plays both paper and digital, um, paper does get to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not a it's not a cheap hobby, um, which is why I kind of scaled back from going to events and kind of staying current with standard in paper mm-hmm. because of the, the cost. And I kind of shifted to being more casual focused in paper and, you know, keeping up with standard on arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a game itself, I mean, <laughs> you said it earlier, magic is like the greatest game in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really well designed and a lot of different trading card games that I've played I think I've played about 10 different mm. ones. Um, Magic does a lot of things right. And it's designed around the way it was designed. I mean, they they haven't changed the formula in 25 years for a reason. Mm. But one thing, if I were to just kind of have full control over how Magic was, I I wish there was a way to address mana issues. Mm. Like when you don't get enough land or when you get too many. Um, I'd have to say one game, which is kind of in a, its state is unknown, but it's the Force of Will trading card game. Mm-hmm. Um, very popular in Japan. Yes. Um, and how, how they address resources is they essentially have a separate deck for your lands, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um and so you draw from your main deck, which has your spells and your creatures. But then as an action in your main turn, you can play a card from the top of your mana deck. Hmm. And so it, it provides you consistent mana, as you, you know, to use the magic, the gathering term. And you can stop pulling from that deck and instead spend you know, that action on something else. Hmm. Once you have enough. And so I kind of like that. Uh, other games just have a incremental mana system like Hearthstone and Shadowverse. But I, in, in all, there really isn't much I change about the game. Uh, just we need more people playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that are a little more in the minority. I, you know, people mm-hmm. like myself who are transgender, uh, mm-hmm. just all, all sorts of people. We need all the kinds of people. And, you know, that's that's definitely been a hot topic, mm-hmm. uh, as I've noticed on, like, the Reddit and Twitter. Um, and I'm just, I'm just someone who's like, look, let's just get all the people involved. Mm-hmm. We, can, we, can, we can deal with, you know, how one thing is defined or another, but let's just get people playing because at the end of the day, it is a game, Mm -hmm. a fantastic game. Mm -hmm. 
I totally agree on all points there. Definitely, I want more people to play. I, I want everyone to have a chance to play casually or professionally. And mm -hmm. um, I, I am completely open to just opening up the pool and having as much diversity as possible. And uh, I completely agree. You know, more people playing more magic is more good. That's bad grammar, but that's what I believe in. <laughs> well, we're, again... You know, if, if if this was a grammar podcast, we would we would definitely address that. <laughs> well, on the flip side of uh, it's difficult to pick, you know, a negative or to be able to fix a negative easily. But on the positive side, what's one thing if you can narrow it down that you love about magic? Oh, goodness. Um, I love that magic is so complex. Um, I'm someone who loves the different uh, mechanics and how it's how each set is unique and adds something new to the whole of magic. Mm. Uh, whether that's planeswalkers that do new things with War of the Spark, or uh, you know, double-faced cards from like Anastrad. Mm -hmm. and Magic Origins, and Ixalan. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Split Cards. You know, all these, all these new groundbreaking things that they introduce into Magic just make the game more diverse and complex. And yet, they, it all seems to be coherent. And so it, it allows me, at the end of the day, to have an absolute innumerable amount of ways mm -hmm. to express myself through different decks that I build through cards that I, you know, share with others and be like, Hey, did you see this card? It is amazing. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, it's, it's just how beautifully complicated the game is. And yet, so it's not that hard to learn. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's quite the interesting dichotomy. I think I heard from some other game um, the catchphrase or the slogan, uh, a moment, well, how did it go? A moment to learn, a lifetime to master. Exactly. Though I would say it takes a little bit more than a moment to, <laughs> to learn magic, but it's well worth the time. Definitely. One of the things that I like about it is that for me, at least the nostalgia factor is pretty strong. I'm, I've just finished putting together a cube. Uh, tomorrow is the, the, the card game club that I'm a part of, and we're going to have an end of the semester cube draft. So I'm putting together all of these cards that were, you know, from back in my day, back in the 90s, and I just have so much nostalgia going through them about, oh, look at this uh, Scribe Sprite. It's a single green mana mm -hmm. for a 1-1 one, one flyer. And um, what else? Oh, Banding. That's so extinct. Let me throw that in there. They're not going to understand how it works, <laughs> but that, that'll be fun. And Cumulative Upkeep. Oh, that was terrible, but it'll be great. Let's put it in. So, um, you know, I played during the time that was like the Dark Ages of Magic, but I loved it. You know, Fallen Empires, Ice Age, Homelands, all those great old sets that are just so extinct. You just had to be there. And um, that's what I love about it. Yeah, I, I, I've heard the legends. <laughs> <Ba -dum -tsh. laughs> I was actually throwing in a few legendary creatures in that too from Chronicles. So like Gabriel Angel Fire. This is like an eight casting cost angel. That oh, it, good grief. It can pick its, and it's, yes, and it's three different separate mana. Um and it, but it can every time during your upkeep, you can pick if you want flying or trample or something or rampage, another extinct mechanic. It was so interesting back then. Yeah, cubes cubes are are pretty fun. I uh, I made a Theros block cube mm -hmm. um, because yeah, I, that was that was a block that both my wife and I felt very nostalgic about, and mm -hmm. so we wanted to share that with our playgroup. Mm -hmm. So. You know, it's a it's a deck full of satyrs and gods and hmm. hydras and cyclops and it's it's just a really fun limited experience. Hmm. Although it it needs a, a second revision because 
I forgot how good Grey Merchant of Asphodel is in a multiplayer game. Hmm. What does that what does that do? Uh so Grey Merchant of Asphodel, real quick, essentially drains each opponent uh life equal to the number of black uh mana symbols in creatures enchantment. Essentially any permanent mm. you control, mm. uh, it drains opponents for that many. So say you have it, which is a three and a double black, so a cost of five. But you know it has two black mana symbols, and say you have other creatures and whatnot, mm. and you have another, uh, say, three black mana symbols. So mm. you have five black mana symbols on your board. That means it will drain each opponent for five, and then you gain life equal to the sum of all that oh, so wow. say you had a play group of five mm -hmm. you just drained 20 life mm -hmm. and you gained that 20 so yeah he's a little busted we had we had someone on on in our play group play two of those back to back <laughs> and they they won the game you know spoiler alert <laughs> Uh, did they win? Did they win the game by everyone else auto conceding or with just insurmountable life? Uh, they won because they had, I think, like ten black mana symbols on mm. their side of the board, mm. and so they were able to drain each person for twenty. Oh, okay. And they and they gained eighty life. <laughs> and then everyone else lost that. Yeah, and and we were all just dead. Mm -hmm. We would have conceded anyways, but yeah, we were just dead. Now you can concede at instant speed, to my knowledge. Uh, faster than that, actually. <laughs> uh, con concession is um, state-based, so <laughs> you literally can just be like, I concede, mm -hmm. and the game's over. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I got to get that one into my own um, Demir sort of deck. Yeah, it's quite good. Um yeah, and it's a common, too. A common creature. Hmm. I think it's like a 2-4, even. Yeah, I pulled it up here, and uh, it's not even that expensive. 44 cents if you want the original Theros printing. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a really good card. Uh, if you're into alternative formats like Popper, mm -hmm. really, it, it's essentially the finisher for Mono Black. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. In Popper. Yeah, I could see that. Now, we've talked a lot about magic, and I guess there are other things that exist in life. Do you have any non-magic hobbies that you're into? Non-magic hobby? What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> this is where we always stumble at the end of the podcast. Right, right, right. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, um, I mean, I kind of enjoy doing a bit of everything in life. Um, mm hmm you know, I don't just play Magic. I am an avid uh, gamer on PC, PS4, Xbox, Switch. Uh, also play every other kind of like trading card game. It's I I love to play games, mm -hmm. but when I'm not gaming and I'm not parenting and I'm not at work, um, I love being outside or having you know like windows open during a rainstorm and just mm -hmm. sitting and listening to rain mm -hmm. like that is ultimate zen for me mm -hmm. and so i it's not quite a hobby and more of like a self-care yeah but it also is just really fun to just take in nature i also love going on hikes and you know exploring the pacific northwest mm-hmm that's definitely sort of the opposite side of, of our favorite hobby. It's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not an outdoor sort, sort of thing. Your cards are going to blow away. But mm -hmm. when, you, uh, when you put it away and, and look out at nature and the rest of the world, it's a really great thing. I live in an area that I have some nice uh, trails where I can hike and jog. And uh, I like uh, getting out of the house and going off to these little trails and, 
you know, we, we, we kind of have, um, you know, all of California and Southern California, we've, we're pretty arid most of the time, but we had some really nice rain at the beginning of the year and it made things bloom so beautifully. And right over here, right outside the window, I could see to the hills and such, and they, they were greener than you usually see them, you know, 80% of the year. Yeah. So it's really nice to go out there to, to that uh, part of the world that you might forget about if you're too much into our hobbies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and here, you know, we, up in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of game stores. It's a very active uh, gaming community up here. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have proximity to Wizards of the Coast proper. Yeah. Uh, Card Kingdom. I mean, these are all backyard stores and establishments for me. Mm-hmm. So, no, it's, it's definitely... It definitely takes uh, a little bit of effort to break away from this one hobby that is just so engaging. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's fun, mm-hmm. and that's what matters. Perfect way to end the podcast. But wait a minute, one more thing. I've got one more question that I didn't preview you as we wind down. Uh, how hyped? Uh, are you for War of the Spark on a scale of one to nine thousand? <laughs> oh goodness, that's a large number. <laughs> uh, well, I love the Uncommon Planeswalkers. Those are probably my favorite part of the set, to mm-hmm. be quite honest. Mm-hmm. And when I saw them all coming out, I would say my hype level was nine thousand. <laughs> Ashiok forever. <laughs> that card is great in limited. You don't expect how much you can really mill your opponent, especially if they don't take care of it, and especially if you proliferate it. So mill away. Mm-hmm. I enjoy Davriel a lot as well in limited from War of the Spark. You know, that's uh, team them up, and they're going to be great buddies in a nice demured build. <laughs> yes, definitely. I've done a few limited games where I've had uh, on arena where I've had uh, like six planeswalkers and it's like, this is the most broken and fun limited I've ever played. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that I I have had that exact same thought. (laughs) It is quite the, quite the, the break from the kind of tried and true limited format where it's dominated by creatures and mm-hmm. you know if you had a planeswalker yeah you had one planeswalker and you pretty much went you know like x and one mm-hmm. you know like three and one or four and one because mm-hmm. planeswalkers were just that op mm-hmm. when they were just limited to mythic mm-hmm. but now that they're at three of the four rarities they're they're making more of a more of a showing, and mm-hmm. I, 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 for one, like that. Mm-hmm. It definitely is fun, uh, and it's interesting how the format will change once things uh, rotate out at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Who knows where we're going next? Mm-hmm. It'll be exciting. Definitely. Well, uh, as we wind down... Uh, let me let you have a moment once again to promote any uh, stream or Twitch or website or anything you'd like. Yeah, so uh, catch me and my magic musings on bluemanamagic.com where I share various uh, deck lists that I come up with link to cool magic content and hopefully in the near future uh, a link to a twitch stream where i will be streaming some arena gameplay Mm. very nice i'll definitely be happy to promote any of those links on the show notes and when I publish this on the Twitter and anything like that, just to get people to, uh, to go and, and find you online. Thank you. 
I'm over on Twitter, twitter.com slash vmcampos. I have a website, vmcampos.com, which I should update a little bit more, but I'm more active on Twitter. And I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash vmcamposjr. Don't forget the JR part. Uh, that's where I usually stream every Saturday, uh, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Pacific time. I'm also on Patreon, patreon.com slash vmcampos. Over there, people can get a lot of great free stuff. I consolidate all my stuff there. But if people move up to the $1 tier, they get access to some exclusive stuff. And if they go up to the $2 tier, I will actually mail people vintage magic cards from my collection. Uh, no, not a Black Lotus. And if they go to the $4 range, they can also get some comic books. So a lot of good stuff there. But if people just want to go to the free stuff and give a follow on Patreon, that works as well. Well, Megan, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It has been a blast. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena. <laughs>